You're listening to the Forest School Podcast with Lewis Ames and Gemma Sutherden. Hello listeners, welcome to the podcast. We've been away for quite a long time, so it's good to be back and we are here in the woods for this one. Um, and we're talking all about smart moves Why learning is not all in your head, uh, a book. And Lewis has read it and he's going to talk to me about it. Um, and just before I kind of summarise the directions our conversation went in, um, those of you who are listening who maybe have not done your forest school level three training yet maybe you're thinking about it maybe something you've always wanted to do we are filling up our forest school level three training course one of them's coming up in may half term and we've got another one happening on mondays from september so if it's something that you're interested in you can check out our website um, we've got a specific website for the training course which is myforestschooltraining.co.uk um, it'd be lovely to meet some of you in the woods on that course if you're up for it um but anyway in this podcast in this book that lewis has been reading um loads of information all about uh, the physicality and the science behind like physical learning and development um so it goes from uh we start by talking about academic academic development stemming from physical development um we talk about different senses talking about a little bit about swinging like that sounds dodgy um, the physical sensation of swinging on a swing or in a tree and what that's doing to the brain uh, we talk quite a lot about listening and whether listening means sitting still um, and how li- listening is different for different people we talk about skin growth touch rough and tumble play we talk about storytelling imagination imagination and sensory learning even get onto electric magnetic electromagnetic fields and the heart language acquisition tone of voice and visual learning internal monologues um, we have a bit of a reflection about the purpose of the circle in forest school um, and why we might run circles and even to the development of the eyes and the science and the biology of eye development so you can see how massive this um this topic is i feel like it might even deserve a podcast too at some point anyway enjoy and as always if you want to reach out and uh, write us a review that's always really lovely to do you can do that anywhere that you read our podcast sorry listen to our podcasts either on spotify or itunes um and that's really good or even just a rating um that helps kind of share the podcast amongst other people or if you want to reach out and send us a message and let us know whether the podcast is um kind of helping you in any way or whether you've got a topic that you'd like us to talk about in future um that would be lovely we love hearing from you guys so yeah enjoy is that from is that ostara is also the festival right yes there's actually not much written record about ostara it's not as it's not celtic it's anglo-saxon maybe but there's not actually the word ostara written anywhere i don't think in a old record i think it's more of a victorian history historian person was like i'm going to use the word ostara i'm translating this as ostara type thing okay. so there's not that much actual old stuff mm. Mm. but yostra is another word for the same goddess okay same character which is older she's older mm. uh, okay <clears throat> have we started nice. have you started recording? I, yeah lovely it's been a while it's been too long. It's been like well, in fairness, we normally do this on a Friday, and you have been away on Fridays with our level three students. Yes. 
You've been going and watching people do forest school and... Having a lovely, lovely time. Yeah. And leaving you to have a lovely, lovely time running our parent and toddler group. Mm-hmm. All by mm-hmm. yourself. But yeah. Then, yeah, but then we normally do it after. Yeah. We? But now we're back. Now yeah. we're back because we're getting ready for the next level three. And so, yeah, it's like the woods is... We said the other day, didn't we? This is like the, the most barren it looks because we've just had a storm... So everything's sort of shaken off a load it of dead wood. It barren. It looks no, no, beautiful. but like the greenery hasn't come in yet. It's starting to. Look at the larch. Oh, no, over I know there. the larch has got the stuff. Yeah. It's all nice. But it, you know, you know, sometimes sunny. we turn up and we go, whoa! Even though you, you know, go away for a weekend at some point in the spring, and then you come back, and it's like, particularly because the woods is a hill, and down there we can see all the villages, and like at a certain point. I feel like I just come in and it's like someone's drawn the curtains. Yeah. You just go, shunk, oh, there's leaves all mm. in the way now. There's no leaves. And I felt like I was getting a little bit sunburnt this week because mm. the sun was so strong and there were no leaves in the way. But in the summer, it's actually cooler here, isn't it? Cooler. 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 I really decided I was going to say it like that. Instead of cool, cooler. Coo- it's a lot cooler. Oh, cooler. It's a lot <laughs> Where's that cooler to? Oh. Hello. It is, yeah, it is very warm. It's very warm, and like you say, it's the the most that the sun can get in, so it's yes. heating everything up. I feel like because we had such a a week of like rain before this Ooh. and storm. That was a tough week. But yeah, I feel like the woods had a big drink, and now it's just gone. Ah, you know that that noise after a big like uh, mm. <laughs> like when a toddler comes in from playing in the garden, they grab some squash. <laughs> 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 When you, when you say toddler, do you mean you? Yes, I mean me. <laughs> I mean someone with absolutely no introspection. And then they go, I am the thirstiest person in the world. I must drink and eat everything. Um, and then wipe it all out of your beard. Well, sometimes. Mm. <laughs> Does that deliver him? Lovely. Uh, yeah. Uh, but we've both been doing some reading. Yeah, you more than me. Yes, for once. I I am the one with a book. You, you just took a picture. You have the knowledge. You just took a... Well, I won't go that far. You just took a picture of my book because I really enjoy reading books with these little... What do you call them? Like sticky tabs? You yeah. can hear them. Yeah. These sticky tabs. Um, um, listeners, there are about 35 little sticky tabs. That Lewis is, but, like, this is the important page that I really want to talk about. I mean... oh, this is also the important page that I really want to talk about. Basically, every page. Yeah. I, it, had it been a highlighter pen... Strap in. It's the... going to be a long podcast. This <laughs> You know, you ever do that when you're studying for something and you start highlighting and you go, oh, oh when That's it gets to the end of That's a joke in Schitt's Creek. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's Where just highlighting she goes all back of to the high book. school. Um, yeah. Yes. yes. Uh, so I have been reading um, Smart Moves, Why Learning is Not All in Your Head by Carla Hannaford, PhD. This is a second, second edition, revised and enlarged, which... I know means she's added more stuff, but what it makes me think is they just made the book a bit bigger. Mm. Just, oh, this is a very small book. We should enlarge it. <laughs> yeah, I like a big book. Um, it's, it's great. It's a little bit old. Let me find... Let me find the thing. So... 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, this is... Um, Copyright 2005, 1995. Yeah. First one. <laughs> so, um, you know, not the most up-to-date thing, but human biology isn't moving that fast. Yeah. And this is quite a deep... Um, it's quite deep in places. Mm-hmm. So I think 
looking at this book, I thought it was going to be a lot more like practical, just like a surface level practical. This is why your kids need to move. This is whatever else. But it goes off into such like rabbit holes about like the inner ear stuff or it goes off as rabbit holes about so like juicy. um it is very juicy and it's it does a good job of like it goes off into the weeds and then just at the point where you're going i can't deal with this this is the mitochondria of the side and it pulls you back out and goes so that's why we need slides um, <laughs> love and it. that pulls you back out i love it um but it it is one of those books that offers some really interesting you know, you read a book and you go, oh, this is stuff that I knew. I was going to ask that. But I didn't know why. I was going to ask exactly that because especially as the weather gets warmer and everyone like sheds layers of clothes mm -hmm. and I've been really interested. I think we both have and that's probably why yeah. we ended up doing this topic of podcast. But you really start looking at like learners, like physical activity and what their bodies are doing and finding that really interesting. And um you know, lots of like bouncing on the net we've had, lots mm -hmm. of swing, lots of, um, you know, free movement without Once, worrying about yeah. like, oh, getting too wet or whatever. And just seeing what people's bodies naturally want to do. And we mm -hmm. even ran the circle today at Toddler Group as a kind of welcome circle. I was like, you know, what, how does your body like to move and why? Like, do you like climbing or jumping or sliding or whatever? Is there, can, sorry, can you hear that woodpecker? Look, he's just sat there. It's two Ooh. of them Ooh. having a little chat with each other. Wow. <laughs> you see it? I saw it fly, yeah. Oh, I'm really sorry that we've been distracted this early, but those woodpeckers are there and I'm going to keep looking at them. Amazing. Um, yeah, yes. so like, you know, and even adults, like, and it's so, I just find it so interesting. Oh, yeah. People going like, I really like swimming. I like the feel, not fast swimming, but like breaststroke. I love the feeling of that. And people go, oh, I really like the feeling of like going downhill really fast. That is a thing uh, that I know. think our, um, our approach to forest school and the way we've set up our, our community, mm. um, Stuff that might seem like a very silly question on the face of it. I think we've got a really good... I'm patting ourselves on the back here. But, like, I think we've got a really good thing of, like, thinking about small questions. They're not small. But, like, thinking about it earnestly mm. in a way that, like, you might... Because you can... How do you like to move your body? You could be very dismissive of that in the same way that, like, when children are like, what's your favourite colour? Mm. Like, what do you like doing? I like running. I like but actually, we didn't. We had a whole group and we all sat around and you and me included kind of really thought for a minute and we're like, actually, that's the sensation I get the most out of. And yeah. sometimes I I hope that we've just like planted a seed. I was going to say the same thing. That this carries on. Yeah. And when people take it away and they go home today and they go, maybe I should do that thing yeah. today. Maybe I'm going to run down that exactly. hill. Maybe I'm going to. Exactly. And that you don't grow out of it, that you still need it. And yeah, so we're kind of interested in like observing it. And then, as you say, you get that instinct, that feeling of like, I know this is really positive. I know that giving the opportunity for bouncing around on the net or going on the swing for as long as somebody wants to, mm. I know that that is really valuable. But could I really explain yeah, yeah. why? You know, especially if you were kind of arguing for it, um, if you were in a school setting, for example, yeah. going, well, you know, you've got somebody who's, who's really focused on like reading levels, writing levels, you know, all the kind of academic stuff. And if you were having to kind of really back up yourself and go, no, it, it is actually as important as mm. doing some of the learning that somebody might be worried that a child was, you know, catching yeah. up with or whatever. Like, what is behind it? So that's cool. Yeah. So tell us. Well, actually, you've you've reminded me of something which I've decided is a I've dis decided discovered is a pet peeve of mine. And uh, now that I've seen it, I see it in a lot of 
books actually and i've realized that this is what something's been grating me for a little while which is um we have a thing in like alternative education where lots of people are like you know we should be less focused on academic pursuits that's kind of a vibe that lots of people have we should be more focused on holistic stuff and um you know forest school one of the main things about forest schools it's great and it gives people a chance to shine away from people who might not be academically strong can be strong in other ways and other scenarios but if you read a lot of literature about this stuff and this book included it talks about like how amazing it is to learn something vestibular mm. like the sense of balance <clears throat> that you gain and the da 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 da, da. and it's amazing and amazing and amazing and the last bit is always then which is obviously great for writing because then they do and it's like mm. it just feels undercut it feels like you're going which obviously isn't valuable in its own. So let me relate it back to academics because that's Mm. the vibe that we all are apparently going for. And like Mm. that, that commodification of physical learning is only beneficial because it helps academic learning rather than physical learning is beneficial because you have physically learned to do something. It is valuable in its own right. That's my little bugbear now. Yes. And I see that all the time. And that's, interesting again it's one of those things like because i know sometimes it's like oh you grease the wheels of who whatever needs are in front of you and so a lot of people are in that position where and we've been in that position where you go how do i sell forest school to a school Mm. their needs are academic therefore i will talk about this in academic sense yeah or if you're talking about your own kids or kids you're working with they are in the school you know they may be in the school system and you can't um you can't well, completely turn your back exactly, on it and go exactly. pretend it doesn't exist so and shut your eyes. It might be that if it is true that it does develop reading skills or help with, you know, crossing the midline, helping writing, all that kind of shimmer, yeah. then then you kind of can still address it and go, well, my child is, or this child is struggling in inverted commas, developing at a slower rate in inverted commas, yeah. all those kind of things with those skills, and maybe is not feeling great about themselves because of that and Mm -hmm. you have to kind of acknowledge that that is the world that we're in and therefore maybe you do want to really focus on this stuff and put it foremost i I don't know just as a kind of i just i I completely get what you mean that like if you it's not very it's not holistic is it to go the only reason that this like physical stuff yeah that's what it is that's what it is it's it's faux holisticism Mm. in in it's like if this we should do a broad range of things because it benefits this narrow thing. Yeah. That's what it is. You've summed that up for me very well. Besides our normal five senses, we tend to think that we have... Oh, oh Riv, Rivlin and Graval have discovered 14 other senses that we have known receptor sites for, such as change in magnetic orientation, atmospheric pressure, airborne iconic changes, ionic changes, sorry, UV, sense of wet and dry, etc. Sense of wet and dry is not one I've come across mm. before. Um, which is just very interesting. Um, a sense of UV, you know, stuff like this is just crazy. I'm gonna. Yeah. Fl- so I think what we need to do is I'll flick through this book and I'll kind of go. Here's the thing: if mm. it sparks something, it sparks something. Um, this is a really good example that I've, yeah, um, for children that have a vestibular need for balance mm. in a classroom, and it just relates it back and says, "Can you read a book in the car?" Because they're in a car right now. You know that sense of like I get motion sickness in the car because my eyes can't relate to what my ears are telling me. Yeah. And they're like, that's what kids are doing. That's when really they're trying interesting. Because I was reading an article um, which said some similar things. I'm just going to find the name of the article. So it's from PlaygroundPressionals.com, and 
play and playground e-magazine and the article's called so what's the big deal about swinging and it talks about yeah a little bit i think not as deep a dive as your book but yeah. a bit about why um swinging is enjoyable and beneficial and all the rest of it and it takes it back this theory is it's taking it back to our ancestors our primate ancestors who are swinging in the tops of trees and mm -hmm. jumping and swinging and all that kind of thing and the theory is that this swinging action stimulated the cerebellum and mm -hmm. um fires up connections in the prefrontal cortex yep. so the swinging stuff physically is firing up that bit of your brain and that bit of your brain is working on um language planning mm -hmm. all of those things that you need in order to progress that sort of side of learning yeah um so that's really interesting there's a kind of crossover there oh definitely and i never really thought about it like that that the physical movement is firing yeah. up a bit of your brain there's a really good example towards the end of this book so I've, i can't find it now but um uh the example they give is sit still and listen and, and a learner going which one because I cannot do both those things. Mm. I can sit still and focus all my all my attention on sitting still, or I can move and listen. Completely. So that that example to me, like mm. sit still and listen, uh, you know, it's said by. Uh, let's not pretend that I've never said that. Um, we say it because mm. what we want, what we're actually trying to say is like, can you do the best listening possible, or, or like, can you or stop can being you, a distraction, or <laughs> can you do the type of listening that I in my adult in and not not in not even i but the way that society a neurotypical society a like yeah, yeah. has decided is good listening so i was doing yeah. stuff, stuff recently about um yeah you know some for lots of people actually sitting still means they cannot listen like, mm. like you're saying yeah so it's just a very narrow view of what we think listening well, looks the, like that, like quiet hands sitting on your bottom looking at the person who's speaking like wh who decided that and when that is what listening looks like well i think that is a byproduct of what i think is a very it's a very western way of looking at education and like you know like we have to drill this down to the smallest finite like to the atom to the whatever there and if you want to look at stuff holistically, you want, you would be like, listening is better in the round. Listening is better when it's combined with painting, when it's combined with swinging, when it's combined with whatever. But the view of like, listening should be your primary focus, therefore it's best if you only do one thing. Mm. Like children that, you know, process emotions by singing mm. or like by, you know, they're doing other things to kind of go, yep. I'm doing all of this in the round. I'd love to know if there were, if there is an education system somewhere that really um, actually addresses that and goes, we have a different view of what listening looks like and doesn't have that like listening means sitting still. Because I, the stuff I was reading was like, for some people, um, you're only able to listen when you're re like really moving your body, like really mm. like rocking, walking around, pacing, whatever. So and not looking, literally like looking the opposite way to the person who's speaking. Yeah, yeah. Because watching the facial expressions, watching the mouth moving means that I can't listen because there's part of my brain that's really focused on watching your face, you know, mm -hmm. and actually I need to not be looking at your face. I need to look at something else completely non-human and I need to be moving. And therefore the words can enter my brain and get into the bit of my brain, which can actually properly listen to yeah. you. Um, and obviously that's not acceptable in most classrooms. I'd love to know if it was acceptable somewhere. The woodpeckers on the bird feeder now cheeky little thing and mm. um and what was i going to say so then it's really interesting to look at yourself and look at other adults or older children i think because 
you have it drummed into you we have drummed into us that good listening is sitting still whatever so then you look at those people who bottoms on chairs who sit there with a leg just jiggling or someone who sits there doodling because that is the i can't listen by sitting still i need to be moving that's not acceptable i will condense it down and condense it down and condense it down Mm. into the most socially acceptable way of not sitting still whether that be doodling jiggling a leg fiddling with a fiddle toy although you know those yeah. things of like just shrinking it and it's like shrinking a part of yourself to fit mm. in you know obviously we're all doing that all the time we've all got to kind of learn these filters haven't we you know in whatever yeah. way um well we haven't got to why do i say that you know it's just how weird society is but anyway i find that interesting carry on okay here's an interesting one for you uh recent fight i'm going to read a short paragraph and apologize recent finding is indicate that parent-offspring interactions that included a lot of touch play and being fully present may be crucial for cognitive development no shit that's not in the book <laughs> <laughs> the touch of closely bonded family members increases activity in the hippocampus mm. an important center for spatial and general learning and memory mm. now here's the uh, so that's interesting here's the really interesting bit adolescence can be a strange time when the child is growing a greater skin surface Mm. right they're shooting up Mm -hmm. yeah uh and is more sensitive to light touch since those receptors take longer to develop so as you're if we lightly touch our so as your skin is massively growing Mm. because you're shooting up because you're a teenager uh the first ones that grow are the rough touch receptors Mm. and after that grow the light receptors Mm. so if you are so then it so then it says if we lightly touch our teenagers they may be overly sensitive and move away Mm. with disgust parents are well advised to give their children of that age bear hugs Mm. with strong touch or rough and tumble play so they feel the perimeters of their body this Mm. helps to stimulate the growth of all touch receptors in their new skin makes them less sensitive to our light touch pank skep discovered that rough and tumble play was the most effective way of stopping hyperactive behavior in adolescence even adult learning difficulties and susceptibility to disease are associated with lack of early touch. Mm. That's an example of how deep this book mm. is, right? That's one paragraph mm. and there's five ideas in there that I want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so the most important one for me there is the light touch mm. and thinking about this is obviously saying adolescence. Right. But also thinking about children at any age going through a growth spurt mm. and going when they grow, they're going to be more sensitive to light touch. Mm. And that f- lens changes the way I look at interaction, yeah. you know, and changes the way that, like, I think uh, now having my own kids who are going through growth spurts at different mm. times. And there are times where they're very cuddly and times where they're like, you need to absolutely squeeze me. Yeah. And I don't like it if you just touch my hand. Yeah. They yeah. need to pull away. Yeah. But there'd be people working with... um teenage groups Mm. for whom i think that's a very interesting one especially when you look at something like adolescence like um a lot of stuff i've seen around um regulation you know regulating oneself Mm. is light touch is feel you know stroking or gently touch you know like if you need to consult like the go-to consoling someone who's okay is like a hand on the shoulder stroking a stroking hair Mm. or whatever else but like being like that might be the worst possible thing yeah yeah for right now yeah um and it's interesting to think about how little adolescent children might get the opportunity to do rough and tumble play yeah um and i've read another article about um looking at out addressing 
outdoor space design for girls right in exactly this way so you might go right rough rough and tumble play really physical play with like strong touching <laughs> that sounds dodgy yeah, but you know yeah, what i mean is. um kind of popular and acceptable ways to do that when you're a teenager are football rugby basketball those kind of things that you might see at playtime in a school right mostly it's boys doing those things for whatever reason obviously it's not all the time but that's the kind of social norm and so how are those girls going to get that experience and so the article i was reading it's called make space for girls um i wonder if i can tell you guys a bit more about it um it is a website yeah called makespaceforgirls.co.uk and they're doing loads of research with uh, uh, women and girls and looking at children's preferences and the way the time they spend in playgrounds and, and communal outdoor spaces mm-hmm. and then looking at how we design those to make them more acceptable for girls because they're being used a lot by boys the finding is happening in the UK mm-hmm. anyway it's, it's the, the happen, the, yeah the research is finding um, and that's really interesting that you're thinking about you know if you're saying that's how you're developing those things Mm -hmm. what what are we you know providing for girls so they can also get that feedback and that development opportunity i find that interesting yeah and forest school is like especially with older groups the practitioners that i know anyway with older groups saying there's a lot of really physical play Mm -hmm. a lot of real rough and tumble um play and that maybe that's one of the very few spaces they have where they can do that there's a squirrel there yeah Rambles very close very brave go on then you got another bit got another bit uh da, 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 da. oh okay so this was one of those ones where it was like oh yeah okay i understand that th- i knew i know that scenario and now i understand the thing mm-hmm. uh okay i'll go back a little bit uh limbic system connections elaborate all of the elements come into place for the development of our imagination imagination will naturally spring from the sensory motor patterning in the relationship with emotion and memory this is a process you can actually see unfolding if you observe how children respond when you read to them as they concentrate on listening to you read to them they are absolutely quiet in their brains they are elaborating internal pictures and emotions connected to their already acquired understanding we know this they are actively forming new neural networks. Yep. When you have finished reading the book, the child immediately says, read it again and again and again. The repetition allows them to elaborate and myelinate the new nerve paths. So they're just laying down more and more neurons, connecting emotions to mm. thoughts, to imagination things. If you happen to say the wrong word as you're reading, they will let you know, mm. which is the thing I know. This consistency is important to the integrity of their imaginative pictures. They will tell you the story. Uh, they will then tell you the story to embody it in movement and sensation through speech. Finally, they will play act it. The mm. physical play gives them the sensory understanding of the concepts and anchors that all that puts all the parts together. We've so seen that here. We've seen that here, and so that is my uh, so. I really love that in terms of, because this is talking about, you know, you're reading a book, they're internalising it, they're doing some imagination, they're making this, like, uh, imaginative world in their head, and then they need to go, oh, this imaginative world in my head doesn't have any sensory components, Mm -hmm. therefore I need to play physically so that I can fill in that imaginary world 
with sensory. You know, like they're listening to a story about um, somebody, uh, like a princess in a castle and she's being stolen, for example, Ooh. right? And so they can imagine the tower, they can imagine what the princess is wearing, and then you get that and they can see the picture. And then they go, I don't know how that princess feels when she gets picked up. Mm. I don't know how it feels when you someone runs away. I know I'm going to play it so that someone can, so that my dad or my mum can pick me up mm. and that will then feed into my imagination. Now it's got a sensory component. Now mm. it's got a, which, that just makes so much more. That's one of those ones where I was like, yeah, I've definitely read books to my kids and missed a word said a different word no he gambled along mm. he didn't run he gambled like ah mm. oh, okay it's deeply mm. important to you mm. that the right verbs that the right you know that makes me think of one i can't remember what the story was now but i think you told a story in parts through the day so we might tell stories at different times if we've got like an all well, day session the firebird. I did the Firebird recently in, in parts of the day because you said I'd, you'd never heard the end of it because I never mm, it's quite no. a long one. Yeah, it probably was. That. Anyway, sorry. Um, but sometimes we might tell the story like at the end of the day. Yeah. Before home time, and this time you told it in parts of the day, and it inspired a lot of play, and it really made me think like we're are we missing a trick sometimes by telling a story at the end of the day because then it's home time then. Yeah. And you don't necessarily have that time to play it out if they want to. Like they might mm -hmm. not want to, but you're providing more opportunity to do that if you're telling it at break time or lunchtime. Hmm. Well, we've sometimes, you, we sometimes will intentionally put a story earlier on when we as a springboard yes. to go, yes, I yes, think yes. this is going to lead into some play here. Therefore I will put that story earlier in the day. Yes. Um, and actually I do think that that's one of the things that is really helpful for bonding a group is like getting a a story, a story, a story in early then means you've got a shared experience that yeah. you go, why don't we all lay down more imaginative worlds around this? Imaginative information. When you, excuse me. <coughs> when you, um, if you don't have a story, then you, do, I think that is one of the times where you go, oh, you've arrived with this story you need to play out. You've arrived with this story you need to play out. Mm. And you've arrived with the news. Mm. And you all need to play this out. But you haven't, you know, and this is clashing with this. And this is, and like, yeah sometimes that is a bonding experience for a group to go definitely you know. or you know and a scaffold for somebody who might not have necessarily a social bond already there or might not have an idea about what they want to do and you've given them that, that yeah that kind of framework that they can then go oh we'll take this and run with it and it might go off in a different idea in a different direction yeah yeah so i'm reading this bit here which is about smart moves i don't know if you've come across smart moves no uh wait Oh yeah, Smart Moves is the book, so you have come across it. Okay. Uh, this talks about it talks a lot about brain gym. Okay. You know that thing, cross lateral movements yeah. and all those things. Crossing it's, the midline. Yeah, it's got all those exercises in this book. It's got some really good ones. Is that the one you were doing with the group the other day, with where you're drawing a figure eight? Infinity in front of your sign. Yeah. yeah. So there's That's stuff like that, and that was a really good example of. That's a really good example of that bugbear because they were taught each of these little activities has a you know. So this one is like drawing the infinity sign in front of your eyes, where you. And it crosses in front of your eyes um, and it sinks your left brain and right brain together. It sinks your eyes together. It helps you with your balance. It does all this stuff, which means that you can write in a more mm. constituent. And I was like, ah, you've done, you've just, for me, you've just undercut it at that last minute. Um, 
It's an interesting one. It's because you hate writing and learning of all kinds. No, I don't. I just, <laughs> I just. Of course not. I'm winding you up. <laughs> I'm winding you up. Pens? I... They should be illegal. What? They're just talking about pens. Do you? All right. I'll no be charcoal into... here because you might start writing with it. And it's... I'm, I'm, I'm teasing you. Is so that mark making, boy? Sorry. How dare you? Stop jumping around. <laughs> Pretending to be a. I don't know. Hanging. <laughs> uh, okay. Also, as measured by a squid, superconducting quantum interface device. Squids? Squids. Oh, sorry. Superconducting ah, okay. quantum interface device. Not the animal. Not squid. the animal. The heart generates... This is an example of how deep this book is. Yes. The heart generates an electromagnetic field that is at least 1,000 times greater than the field produced by the brain. Okay. Okay. And extends a measurable distance of 8 to 16 feet from the body. Oh, my God. Since our heart fields overlap within eight, uh, within eight to sixteen feet of each other, I feel the saying "come from your heart" is intrinsically relevant uh, in being with, teaching, and parenting the people in our lives. Oh my lord! So our hearts are feeling electromagnetic uh, fields when we are close enough to overlap. Wow. Which is just a really interesting thought about proximity and, uh, you know, we've just been through a period of history where we were away from each other mm. and what effects that's going to have. And also, one of the things that is worth bearing in mind for children who have are very young at the moment and will have missed out on that experience, mm. one of their senses is going to be electromagnetic fields, we all have it, and so they might not have been to a toddler group. They might not have been to preschool yet. Mm. They might have not have been, you know, they might not have seen nanny and granddad for ages. So just the feeling of like, there's people near me. There's people near me and I can feel that in my body. Mm. Might be super sensitive to some children. Is that then, you know, like when you can feel vibes from a person vibes. and you can feel it and Good it's vibe. not like, you know, how someone's feeling. So say you're feeling pretty chilled but then somebody near you is suddenly very anxious yeah. and obviously you can look at their facial expression you can hear their breathing and you can listen to what they're saying or whatever but you can also feel it you can feel it in your body mm -hmm. is that their heart's electromagnetic field is it that their heart is beating in a Could different well rhythm be. i know yeah. that they do your heartbeat does synchronize you know, if you hear a heartbeat or you feel a heartbeat... Like yeah, that's how rave music works, isn't it? 120 beats a minute yeah, exactly. is like human excitement. Apparently you can play a heartbeat <laughs> noise for long Wait, enough. everybody listening. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst. Somebody said the Just other day, my favourite bit... We've we've done 100 and whatever we've done. With and somebody the other day said, do you know what my favourite bit was when Gemma played the happy hardcore? And I... <laughs> Do you want just, them right now? Just, no, we really oh, don't. No, please don't. It'll ruin please the vibe, don't. won't it? Yeah, please don't. I'll, maybe um, I'll do it in the outro. Because okay. end, end, end user is now on Spotify. And he Stop. didn't used to be. There he is, look. Twiddling his knobs. I'll play you some on the way out. Be, you'll love it. it. No, don't <laughs> you dare. Don't you dare cut right. it. really good. Here we go. Um, Here we go. This is a good one. This okay, is a good one. Go for it. Language, language acquisition. Right. Super cool one. Right. Okay, in order to learn to speak accurately, we must be able to hear the full tone, including the higher harmonics 
that occur in normal speech. Right. Right. Some people won't know what harmonics are, it, like the resonances, the frequencies, these things. This only occurs when children are directly communicated with because TVs, computers, <laughs> I don't know how old this book is, mm. TVs, computers, tapes and CDs are digitised, which means compressed, so parts of the harmonics and overtones are lost. So mm. you're not getting the full spectrum when you listen to stuff. Mm. Often including the consonants that help to define language. Your T's, wow. your P, you know, all that. We put a pop shield on these microphones mm. because we don't want to get the So that's all getting cut out. Often the consonants, which help to define language. If the child does not hear the analog sound of another hum, real human voice, he can't speak or later symbolise it to read. So this what? idea that, like, if you don't hear the t, so, no, the, so um, I don't think you mind me saying, my son at the moment, he does not have. A th sound mm -hmm. it doesn't have a th and when he's talking he goes did you know at when we're going mm. because it just flows out right mm. and he can't because he can't see it he can't say it sorry um he can read some words now mm. he cannot read a th sound he cannot mm. internalize it because he can't say it mm. and because he doesn't say it he doesn't mm. you know he's it's like hey look this is the symbol for that sound and he's like that's not a sound mm. it, it doesn't say that but that's no, an example yeah. of what I mean you know mm. um, so this is one for you know you're thinking about children with language and communication and language delays or difficulties and thinking about are we giving them are we able to give them all of the information needed is this somebody that's getting a lot of their language exposure through speakers which are going to cut stuff out mm. is this someone who one of the reasons um so we've worked with a child before who has um two well then two hearing aids mm. which is a tiny speaker mm. which means that it's all getting clipped it's getting the same thing mm. so someone with a speech delay a speech and language delay with two things is, is only getting they're not getting the full tone they're at a double disadvantage mm. in terms of picking up language um you know Another argument for storytelling, isn't it? Another argument for storytelling. Yeah. Parents... <laughs> I just liked this paragraph. Parents should be aware that prior to age four, even though language is progressing, the child is taking most of its behavioural cues from what it sees, not from spoken commands. It's prior to four. The parent may have told the child not to do something, but the physical stimulation is so compelling that the sensory fascination overrides the verbal command. Mm -hmm. The child may even be able to tell the parent what it was told not to do, but without full comprehension of the meaning. Which is that thing of like, um, what did I say? You said don't touch it. What did you do? I touched it. Some people don't lose that. <laughs> <laughs> Gemma Stop takes most that. of her behavioural cues from what she sees, <laughs> not spoken commands. Or just, just things, things when likes doing because they feel nice are more important than whether the other person likes it or not. But oh, that is really, but, okay, so. Oh my so, God, oh my God. This is, but this is interesting um, to me. My family have like stories of like me being really quite grown up. It's not just your family, going, we all have them. Going like. I've just painted that door, don't touch it. I mean, just looking at my dad in the eye and just touching the door. And him going, <laughs> are you mental? I'm literally, I know, yeah. You've got painty hands now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do it again. I love it. 
sorry. But it's another example, isn't it, of like, um, I think we need to be more careful uh, around, lots of us will have that view of like, as long as I've explained the risk, and I've had, I sometimes hold this view, I've explained to the risk to them, so there's nothing more I can do. If you now choose to do it, that's your own thing. But actually, I need to kind of park that for a minute and go, I have explained it, but I've only explained it verbally. Yeah. And that person might not be processing verbally right now. And, but they might look to you like they are. But do you know what is really interesting? A lot of the times where things like that happen, and then you can go, are you going to do it again? And often they will say yes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. then you go, okay, cool, again. I'm going to put this away now. Yeah. It can come out later, like, I can't let you do that because it's not safe. I'm going to put the fire out now. I'm going to take away that sharp thing. Yeah. And I find that amazing that they are honest. That, mm. you know, you can have that whole, like you just said, that conversation about, we won't do that because this might happen. Can I just check you've understood that? Oh, yeah, you know, you've just said it back to me in your own way yeah. or whatever. Oh, you're still doing it. Are you going to do it again? Yes. Mm. <laughs> okay, fine. We can't, like, I can't let you push that small child over anymore. <laughs> We're going to go play over here. Well, that links to this next bit. Oh, there's a money spider on me. I'm rich. I'm rich, money spider. Um, uh, once speech is in place, the child will process thought throughout a speech until about seven. I distinctly remember ages four, five and six as being very verbal times for my daughter. I got to the point where I would cringe every time I heard, Mummy, what? Or, Mummy, how? Or, Mummy, why? And I found myself looking for a moment of quiet so I could think. My child may talk continuously as she discusses her world and all of the new relational insights she is gaining. Mm. Oh my God, oh I am my. fully in this. <laughs> <laughs> you know that when, yeah. when you are a fire truck, you have got wheels. Yep. Thanks, mate. <laughs> what's that comedian? Um, oh, what's her name? Sindhu V. Sindhu V. Everything they tell you, you already know. <laughs> That's why it's so boring being a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Stream of consciousness. Uh, stream of consciousness speech is the problem-solving tool of the four to six-year-old and why becomes the, gr becomes the generator of that process. This stream of consciousness speech in varying degrees is essential to language and other thought development. Inner speech development doesn't normally occur until around age seven. So children literally think out loud. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that children of this age wonder if adults even think because we are so quiet. Mm. That was an interesting flip round for yeah. me to just go like. So that is something that you and I have talked about in a, in a podcast ages ago. We talked about like um, not giving people the answer to stuff. Yeah. And we talked about and I couldn't remember oh, the name of yeah. it. Oh. And going, if I was wondering what bird that was, I'd be looking to Pole see. Bridging. Bridging. Okay. Yeah, we did talk about that. But we also talked about it in a different one. About questions. About yes. questions. Yes, yes, and, yes. And, and we talked about, like, not giving the answers and then not also not giving it as, like, what do you think it is? Oh, yeah. Because that also isn't helpful. No. And, like, that this example here of, like, them wondering if adults ever think mm. is a really good way where you can, you can sort of show that, like, modelling it. This is my thought process. We're going, I'm wondering if it's... Because... You know, I'm wondering if I always think of birds of prey. I'm wondering if it's got a neck. I'm wondering if its tail feathers splay out. I'm looking to see if it is doing circles. All this stuff, um, which doesn't sound different, but is very different to asking: Has it got a neck? Has it got splayed tail feathers? Is it because then in you're presenting different information. You're 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 kind of going. This isn't a quiz for you right now. There's no, I'm not, I, I don't need to put you on the spot about this thing. Um, I just thought that's really interesting. And also um, that idea of children thinking out loud 
is really interesting in terms of um, encouraging, like, we've all been in that situation where you go around the circle and you say, tell me something about, um, like, let's go around the circle and let's say our favourite animal. And you get around to, you know, you get two people in and then you want to give that person space and you go, okay, what's your favourite animal, little Johnny? I, when we went to the dog and then I would, and you can see it and you're in their head, you're going, <laughs> mate, number 48 in this queue, he's not got the attention to hold it. Yeah. And you're sucking, I've oh got to do this. And now, now, and now I'm in a position where I've got to ask these people if they could stop chatting. But really, I want to be like, yeah, fair enough, because you are telling a dog shit story. Oh. Right. But that thing of like going, this is your internal monologue. I don't want to cut it off because you're doing some important thinking. Yeah how important is it so this changes my think thinking then to how important is it that children listen to each other around the circle mm. you know that thing of like they always talk mm. over each other i'm like yeah because it's internal this is internal sp mm. train of consciousness whatever the phrase is stuff so actually it's not huge and sometimes it's important to model it and go let's listen to this person because it's all valuable we all need to and sometimes you want to go they're rattling on yeah that's fine they're in their own head and maybe, this is an on-the-spot idea, maybe the thing is like, oh, that's great. Do you want to keep telling person next to you about that while we carry on? Mm. And then you, it's like the opposite, like setting up an mm. intentional like other discussion yeah, to yeah. help the group move on. Yeah. I go, you, you need to talk more, not in these words, but like going, you've still got a lot more to come out of your head. Why don't you tell that person and we'll carry on? Yeah, it's very interesting then because you start asking a massive question about what is the circle for? Like why, you know, obviously sometimes circle is like conflict resolution or mm -hmm. like learning or whatever. But, oh, someone's making a big that? noise. I think it's squirrels. Um, like with those things of like we're going to share how we're feeling or we're going to share, yeah, what yeah. Our, you know, we're just going to have like a group discussion about something. What about the one we had today about like what's your favourite yeah. way of moving your body? Yeah. Like why, why are you actually doing it? Is it, so that especially when you're just doing it just with children are you doing it because you as a practitioner genuinely want to find out something so or you want the group to find out something like how are you feeling we often say this is really useful to actually make sure that you are listening to each other because somebody might say i'm actually feeling really upset right now because blah 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 or i'm feeling really tired and then that will help us to you know it will inform how we approach that person and therefore it's really valuable that we know those things or is it just that it's nice to talk to each other and it is or is it for the group is it actually nothing to do with like hearing what's being said is it just about the talking and about the sharing mm. and about just chucking something in the pot even if it is a random story about your nan when that was nothing to do with what the question was yes and i think what i am feeling more and more is that the my mistake in the past has been thinking that the the circle has the same purpose every time yeah yeah and yeah. actually i need to park that because mm. in the same way that I would go, it's not a stick every time. Mm. Okay, the swing is not just, you know, mm. a horse every time. The, yeah. You know, the circle is not the circle every time. And I think we are, the circle is almost a chance to find out what do they need from this circle. Mm. Um, and that is equally as true with adults. When you meet with adults, sometimes there's that you can get f friction socially when you go, okay, we've all met to watch a film. We've all met to play some board games. We've all met to go for a hike. And one person, and then you can you can feel like that person's hijacking it. They go, I actually really need to 
talk about this thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I you would be like, not be quiet and listen to the rules, the rules of the board game. I just really need to share about yeah. what's happening in my life right now. Yeah, completely. And trying to not hold to the like, but we agreed we'd come here to, to yeah. you know, that stuff is. Um, I think it's always good to flip this stuff to to reflect it and go. This is not a children's thing. Some of this stuff is a developmental thing, mm. so it is just about children. Some. Um, I think we need a code. You know, like you sometimes know, we have a we always talk about a code word for like process, process not product. We just shout process at each other. Which, Do you want to explain that? Yeah, because I will, that is I will, a I will. that is a good thing that I think so people. So I'm trying to from. think about an an example. Just, so sometimes, yeah, you'll be off somewhere. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. Or I'll be off somewhere. <laughs> it's me. It's always and me. Then, I know no, it is. No, and then we cross paths. So say I am with a child holding a bit of wood while they they tie some rope to it. I can't think of an actual yeah. example. And you might come on and go, what, what, what you? <laughs> basically, oh, I would if you're trying to do the thing, I'd actually do it this way. Or oh, do you want me to get some extra yeah. rope from the cabin? Or oh, do you want some help with that? Or whatever. And we have this thing where we had a discussion. We're like, okay, it's process because I do know, like, oh, you know, yeah. I know that we could take a shortcut here, or I know that actually this is never going to work. Like, this is, it's all about like someone's had an idea, and the only way that, you know, they need to discover it for themselves. They need to kind of go, oh, it isn't going to work, or not even that it's not going to work, but it's just like we're just doing a thing for yeah. the sake of doing a thing. It's not actually because we really need the bird feeder this to is work right now. I will make sure the bird feeder works later. Or Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, so quite that's... often it's to do with sight stuff, isn't it? Like putting up swings or um, doing, putting up the scramble nets or something where like walking past and seeing it not being done like efficiently. Mm. And, and it's it comes from a place of, for me at least it comes from a place of like wanting to be helpful like yeah, yeah. oh hey i can be helpful Completely. there do you want me to come do that bowling or sh hey shall i show you a different way and it's like a little thing that we can say to each other to be like yeah don't worry yeah i'm not <laughs> i'm not going to let the children get on this swing yeah, exactly. with this knot exactly that. but right now yeah, yeah. don't tell me that exactly. or like don't come and undercut exactly. what's happening exactly that or like yeah we're snipping some holly and actually we we, we know that the path that really needs clearing of overgrown holly is down there yeah. But this is what we're doing right now so that we can look at blah, 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 you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I feel like we need another code like that for the circle. So, like, what is the reason of this, the, the purpose of this circle? This is a people just want to talk mm. circle or this is a genuine check-in circle or this is a, do you know what I mean? And therefore how we're going to approach the management of that circle. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And how much you hold it or not. Yeah. And that could be a difficult thing when there's two. If it if it was a different scenario where our our hierarchy was different, mm. you would I think you'd have one person going. I'm hold, I'm holding the circle because you and I are on a level playing field. We can sometimes. But it would also be the same with like support staff, for example. So you know, support staff being really helpful and kind of going, oh no, like you know, we need to be quiet now because we're doing the circle. And then sometimes you might not want them. To do that you might go actually i'm not valuing quiet quiet listening in inverted commas here i'm valuing that everyone talks even if it's just the person next to them and yeah you know yeah yeah so i think it, yeah anyway next thing okay i'm how many how many I'm like halfway through <laughs> no no I'm, maybe this is a two-part podcast it might be a two-part podcast which is just me reading the book from oh. start to finish um okay 
Mm, I'm going to read quite a long section. Okay, I'm going to have a drink of water, listeners, if you hear a blooding noise in the background. I'm going to move away from the microphone. Okay. Uh, the muscles of the eye play an important part in classroom learning. Light passes across the eyeball onto the retina where 137 million receptors take in information. 95% of the receptors are rod at uh, the rods are for peripheral for vision. So 95% of the receptors in your eye are for peripheral vision. Yep. Take that in for a minute. While only 5% are the cones for foveal focus, oh. which is what we use for close-up two-dimensional paper work. Okay? Yep. Uh, before entering school, three-dimensional and peripheral vision allows the greatest environmental learning. They integrate visual with the kinesthetic to understand shapes, movement of natural forms, and spatial awareness. Um, so th this is from a different bit of the book I've just remembered. But they will. Um, the really good example was: Can I see it? And putting your hand out. Yes, yes, yes. Because they need to see with their hands. Because oh. three-dimensionally, I have to see it. I have to, to know how to time. move it. See and it. and how adult it is to be like, you can see it. Mm. Don't touch it. Mm. You can see it. And and children are, are saying, I can't see it because I can only see a two-dimensional thing. Mm. You have the understanding of space and shape and three dimensions. I don't. Whoa. Therefore, I need to move it. Interesting. Whoa. Um, okay. That was like the dead magpie earlier. Oh, my God. That was so incredible. Incredible. Oh. I need to remember to move it. <laughs> it's a dead magpie, and I just put it to one side, and I need to find. I need to move it. Um, okay, uh, they integrate the visual with kinesthetic. Uh, when children enter school, they are often expected to quickly develop their foveal focus mm. in order to see small, static, two-dimensional letters on a page. The transition from three-dimensional and peripheral mm. to foveal focus is very abrupt, and in many cases unnatural. Mm. I can love it. Fucking love it. Before approximately age seven, this is uh, this is like all about seven, isn't it? This is my my little jam because it's like this is biological reasons that we need mm. to stop doing stuff earlier. Mm. Before before approximately age seven, the cil ciliary bodies, muscles that shape the lens of the eye, mm -hmm. are short, causing the lens to be thin and elongated. Right, mm -hmm. thin. Uh, with the lens in this shape. The incoming image is spread out across the retina, bringing into play maximum rod and cone stimulation. This lens shape easily accommodates three-dimensional, peripheral and distance vision. Mm. So, children before the age of seven, three-dimensional, peripheral and distance vision, great. Which but, makes sense. But their muscles mm. literally cannot do the focusing thing, mm. right? Um, hang on, I'll just, I'll, Go on. I will carry on. Um, at about age seven, these muscles start to lengthen, allowing the lens to round out and more easily focus on the image on the foveal centralis of the retina for natural foveal focus. Um, so hmm. at seven, the muscles develop. It's not like at seven they get interested. It's not like at seven they suddenly have some sort of thing. It's like it's like they don't have a bicep hmm. until they're seven. Hmm. So, of course, they can't lift things up. Hmm. Incredible. Children who have looked at books at home may have already acquired some foveal focus in the process if the process was their choice and free of stress and pressure to perform. Mm. However, most children are not physically ready to read at the age of five, which is now mandated in lots of school. Um, then it sort of goes on. We need to look at Singapore. Um, children were expected to sit still and do seated work by age three and four. Mm. 
because of this, 85% of their five-year-olds had myopia and needed glasses. Wow. By age 10, almost 100% needed glasses. Oh, my God. The progressive country that cares greatly about health and learning of its children has now changed the curriculum to include an equal amount of kinesthetic, play and manipulative, to cognitive work in the learning process. We must let go of the belief that reading equals intelligence and allow our children's visual system to develop naturally without the stress of early reading. So I just need to reframe that then. So every time now I see someone under seven being made to read, their body physically cannot do it. Like they can't, it's, it's like, it would be like holding two magnifying glasses up to your eyes and then saying, now read, mm. read a book. And, and you're like, well, I can't do this. I can't mm. focus. I can't see the, you know, just. Unless they are choosing to do it, as the book says. You know? But it says they'll develop some. Yeah. Which is the same as like, if kids go to gymnastics lessons, they yeah. might have slightly more gymnastics skills before seven, mm. but they're not going to get, yeah. the, you know. But it's not, they're not saying reading before seven is wrong and it's going to damage your child. It's saying forcing, well, them, they, forcing them there to is, do it. There is but a bit they where are... they're saying that it can be damaging because if you're forcing stress onto the that's, eyeballs, yeah. you're stressing the muscle yeah. out before that muscle's ready to develop. Yeah. Yeah. That's where it can be. Yeah, which, so. you know. Mm. Yeah. No wonder these children have problems and don't want to read. Their muscles hurt and must be retrained before they can comfortably read. Mm. Uh Perhaps as much as 95% of learning occurs through direct, intimate sensory motor experiences with the environment. Formal training may account for only 5% of lifelong learning. Yeah. Um, just as with our sensory system, all of us must develop our own elaborate nerve networks of movement patterns as an action encyclopedia. Mm. Thinking is a, physical, uh, is a response to our physical world. You know, it's just this this stuff. There's a bit, uh, I don't know if I'll get to it, where she talks about um, the idea of reading teeth. Yeah. <laughs> because they also start to come in at about mm. seven. And that how the cultures would change if we talked about, like, have you got your reading teeth yet? Mm. Oh, there's no reason you should be reading if you haven't got your reading teeth. Mm. And just, just, they're not linked, but mapping those two things yeah. and going, no, no, hasn't lost all his reading teeth yet. So, mm. you know. Yeah, still yeah. developing that thing and changing the cultural expectation is is massive yeah you know um and actually talk, thinking about you know what's what's what are their bodies developed for before seven um you know three-dimensional peripheral and distance vision that's forest school mm. in a nutshell yeah, yeah that is this you know yeah, stuff and tying in with schemas and all that kind of stuff, all that way of learning physically and remembering that children are new in the world. Yeah. You know, they're just new in the world. You don't need to start... Yeah. Okay, so this one links to what we were talking about earlier. Okay, I'm going to read this and see if you can do it. If you're listening to... I'd like you to do it, Wim. Okay. If, you can, if you're listening to the podcast and you've got two arms free, mm-hmm. like, don't do it if you're driving, please. Um, okay. So this is hookups. This is one of the like brain gym physical movement things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Stretch your arms out in front of you. Mm-hmm. Now with the backs of your hands together and the thumbs pointing down, mm-hmm. lift one hand over the other, mm-hmm. palms facing and interlock the fingers. So put your palms mm-hmm. together and interlock your fingers. Then roll the lock hands straight down in and towards the body. That's it. Mm-hmm. 
So they eventually rest on the chest with the elbows down. You okay. got it? Yep. Okay, that's it. Yep. Hold it for a minute. Okay. Uh, while in this position, you can rest your tongue on the roof of your mouth behind your teeth. This action stimulates the tongue ligaments, which connect to the vestibular uh, system, thus activating RAS for focus and balance. Okay, anyway. Uh, when, so this, gonna, can I stop now? You can stop now. Okay. So when, what's that meant to do? When students aged 5 to 15 were sent to me, this is when this person was a counsellor, for being disruptive in the classroom or following a playground fight. They had to sit in hookups for two minutes. That's what this is called, hookups. Mm -hmm. Sit in there for two minutes. This consciously brought attention to the motor cortex of both frontal hemispheres and away from the survival centres of the reptilian mm. brain, thus decreasing adrenaline production. Following the two minutes, they were able to see both their own and each other's viewpoints more clearly. None of these students wanted to get in trouble and they were grateful to have this tool that they could personally use at any time to control their own behaviour. Oh my days. Right, so we've been talking with our groups. We're doing a lot of MVC work, haven't we? Nonviolent mm -hmm. communication recently. And talking about um, trying to um, give our learners the tools to um, use in times of conflict. Mm -hmm. And so we've been, and we've been doing a mixture of like physical stuff and verbal stuff and, you know, behavioural stuff. So things like sitting next to each other instead of standing facing, facing each, other, each other, all those kind of things. I feel like we should put that in there. It's like, and here is another thing that you can do if you're finding it really hard mm. and you just can't reach a, uh, an agreement. Yeah. So I think there's something in here which is like, <sighs> this person's achieved, and there's a few more of these where they're talking about like, um, let me... It's worth a try, isn't it? Even it's if worth it, a try. Even if it doesn't work, it's uh, not going to do any harm. No, true. Uh, let me find... So you can probably hear me flipping through these pages. Furiously. Furiously. Uh, okay, so... Um, this is a graphic example, so I'm only going to show when this, but you may be able to describe it. Um, this is two examples of the same child's writing. Mm-hmm. Before and after doing five minutes of these exercises. Mm -hmm. Wow. So can you describe the top images before? So the first before? one has got uh, two words, but they've, they've, they've been squished together. It says one day, and then day is like really, really hard. It's like carved it's in, like isn't carved it? carved into the page. And it looks laboured. Yeah, it looks painful. And then five and minutes then after. Five minutes after is, on Monday, we are going to have play day. I have to wear my shorts and a t-shirt and my running shoes. We are going to have lots of fun. Yeah. All easy to read. Not carved in. Not carved in. Looks more fluid. Mm -hmm. I just, and this is first grade. So what's that, six-year-old? Mm. Um, so there's something here which I, th I find really interesting, which is like, and we've come across this stuff before, where you go, I know a sensory thing that will really help. I know a technique that I think will really help my learners. Do I didactically say, as this person did in the book, you've had a fight, you have to sit in the hookup for two minutes. Mm. Which you run the risk, I think, of developing a negative connotation mm. with, with that exercise. Or do you let a learner... Because the, the flip side is that you go, I really know, but I can't... You know, you go so hands-off that you go, I can only show it to you, and if you want to do it, that's great, but if you don't, that's your choice. Mm. I wonder if the balance is that you once or twice go didactically, I just need you to try this. Or you catch them when the iron's cold, and go, let's try this thing. 
that's what so that's the... what my suggestion would be it's like a it's a thing like we do loads of these things in morning circle don't yeah. we it's like hey here's a thing here's a fun thing yeah and you get and like a game so you're yeah, playing yeah. at this going oh can you all do this i've got more sniffing oh, a tree yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then while they're in there you go oh interesting thing about this i was reading about it and it actually connects these two halves of our brain together and makes us feel calmer so it might be something that we want to that we want to try and then and then later on you could go hey oh, let's do, do the, the let's do that let's thing. do the thing let's do the thing and you do it too and obviously yeah you cannot force them to do it that's not forest school is it to go yeah you need to do it it's your punishment um but the fact that you've done it in a playful way with everybody not singling somebody out and then you're doing it too in that moment of yeah you know, oh I feel I feel a bit stressed out I'm gonna I'm gonna do that let's let's do that thing yeah and you can frame stuff like this as like I've seen it framed in the past as like uh, whatever makes it sort of palatable whether that's I know a secret body hack mm-hmm. I know a magic trick that f- fixes my brain mm-hmm. I know a um, secret move that only ninjas do to stretch yeah. can I do the ninja stretch because it makes yeah. their brains real fast like do you want to fucking yeah. do the ninja thing let's do the fucking ninja thing um, <laughs> right. that's exactly how Lewis speaks to young people by the way if you're wondering that is it it's just effing and jeffing all day long it's just, it just works miracles though it's amazing the, results, the, fucking the outcomes are just fantastic Ofsted love it as well <laughs> When they came to inspect the kindergarten, they really made a <laughs> point. Vocabulary is excellent. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> they hated it. No, I'm <laughs> Okay. Oh, God. Okay. I don't know if I can take much more. Okay, I'm I'll just go, gonna... uh, Can you just do one more? Because I can do one more. I don't know about you, but my brain is like, I need, it's not that I'm yeah, yeah. bored. I'm the opposite of bored. I, I need know. time to go and I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. So things. I'm going to do one more and then I just, and then I'm, and then I'm done and we can and talk. then do I get to play end user on my phone? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. S- who are Sosa? Who are Sosa? Sosa. S-O-S-O-H. Okay. Okay. What do I mean by stressed out, survival orientated? Humans. Humans. It says humans. Uh, I don't know. I am referring to non-integrated, lopsided brain functioning, mm-hmm. a tendency to operate reflexively and or reactively mm-hmm. from survival centers in the brainstem and the sympathetic nervous system. How does stress fit into the picture? Stress from various environmental, developmental, family and social influences is a trigger setting off events in the nervous system that produce and regulate survival orientated behavior we certainly know that chronic exposure to stress inhibits full brain development and learning so this is oh it does say humans sorry uh this is a really interesting way of viewing um uh a range of what might come under the umbrella of neurodiversity in that um we i think one of the things that people find difficult about neurodiversity like from the outside learning about if uh, i'll explain that badly but uh, okay great um is that it can feel like you everybody tells you like this is the strategy to use and it always is undercut with but not everyone will need that. This is the thing. This is this is the framework to look at it through. Why don't you look at it through there like this? Why don't you look at it through like this? Which is, you know, it can be draining. Um, I really like the idea of just gr- grouping lots of behaviour 
neurodiverse or not, as that is a stress-induced, survival-orientated behaviour. Mm -hmm. That is to do with you are stressed out about your social situation and you've gone into survival mode. Mm -hmm. Or uh, this physical sensation is stressing you out and so you just... It, I can't. I'm. I'm not explaining myself very well here. I think I know what you're saying. I think. I mean, there's a. I mean. It's a broad umbrella which I find really useful. I think. As a framework. What am I right in thinking? So. Trauma or like stress-related behaviour, is not the same as neurodiversity. No. They are different things. You can be autistic and not be, you know, acting like trauma is a separate thing. And if you're autistic, for example. You may have, you probably have experienced more traumatic um, mm-hmm. life experiences because of the way the world is set up. But it is not, but your behaviour that might be stemming from trauma is not necessarily autistic, like, you know, mm-hmm. autistic behaviour. You are autistic and you also have had experienced trauma. They are separate things, but I think what you're trying to say is that if you are viewing behaviour, you know, that is exhibited by everybody, yeah. In times of stress, and if you are neurodivergent, you may be experiencing stressful situations more often in our world, in our world currently, or in a lot of environments than you might if you were neurotypical. Then you can just, rather than trying to analyse and go, oh, it's because that person is ADHD, or it's because that person's autistic. You're going, you're showing stress behaviour, and it doesn't at the at the moment. It's about just helping you with that stress related response. Is that what you're trying to say? That's part of what I'm trying to say. Um. And actually, as I listened to you saying that, I clarified something else, which is I think it gives me a framework, which, um, so like traditional, in air quotes here, traditional teaching, I'm not tarring everyone with the same brush, um, has like, you know, you see a lot of stuff about like when negative behaviour presents, mm. when the, when there is a negative, and like framing things as stress stressed out survival yeah. behaviours yeah. takes away judgement. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. what I like about it, mm. because that might also be somebody um somebody playing princesses and on the on the you know changes on a turns on a sixpence that's the phrase i'm looking for mm-hmm. and suddenly goes you're a stupid princess and i hate that right and like and and suddenly kicks off right and rather than trying to underpin that and go like were they unhappy with the game were they you just go they got stressed out they went into survival mode and so they attacked mm. or um you know, there's an argument over a resource. Who's got the football? There's an argument over that. That's my stick, and I've lost it, and I I'm really deeply upset by that. It just it for me groups behaviour that challenges or groups like stressed behaviours in a non-judgmental way yeah. of just going. Your priorities became survival. Mm. You're in a high stress situation, and that can present in a few different ways. But yes. that's what's going on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And that everybody's view on survival is different. Mm. And that might be where I was trying to include the neurodiversity element of mm. like, what do you need to survive is different for different people. Yeah. That's where I think I was going with that thing mm. of like, there's not a judgment here. Yeah, it's yeah. just a, you got stressed and wanted to survive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. end of, this is, you know, I'm, I'm closing the book now. I'm closing that the book. That kind of links to the book that I have just lent you, which can I have back sometime, about uh, the, the hidden chimp. Yes. The hidden chimp thing, because that's that whole uh, argument, which is, yeah, there you've got your survival bit, and sometimes, you know, it's there for a good reason. It was there to protect you, and you want to say thank you to that thing. 
but actually it gets out of hand sometimes and it's all about and so this book is it actually, it's called the hidden chimp um yes because the in, in air version. quotes the grown-up version is the chimp paradox which i'm sure people will have heard of it's yeah. a very famous book so um, it's like so, the kids and it is very version. well laid out i will say that so i'm gonna put this down so you can hear it clicking um it is nicely laid out it's more it's the most kid-friendly book i've seen of a big subject mm. uh, when i opened it i thought it was going to be one of those books that's for parents then you go and explain it to your kids mm. but it is a book that you, it's like a workbook isn't it yeah. it's like an exercise book you just yeah. do it with you what's your monkey's name yeah. and what does your monkey do it's playful and it's sometimes shy and it's yeah. um you know, it's it's very good. I recommend mm. people look at it. So that's like a kind of self knowledge, self discovery thing. Mm. So you're kind of talking about that as a you know, as a practitioner looking upon behaviour. This is a kind of book for children, young people to go to yeah, go on a bit of a learning about themselves and why this bit of their brain might behave in certain ways sometimes, and then how you can help it and look after it. You know, um, I think it's quite nice. It's quite nice. Mm. Um, I would recommend this book. I would so oh, thoroughly recommend I this book. Read it. Um, I, I'm at the point where I'm happy to give it to you. Okay. Um, it does sound like one of those things that I, I struggle with memory personally. I really I find myself beginning a story to another adult and go, oh, well, that's really interesting because actually the science shows that there's a thing about the thing <laughs> that the, uh, I can't actually remember it now, but it's really important. Um, so I wish I could like photocopy it and stamp it into my brain. But sounds like, yeah, as we were saying at the beginning, it kind of um, backs up and validates all those like little spidey sense moments that you have in forest school where you're like, this is so flipping important. Like, look, all the joy that you get from watching a particular type of play and you yeah. can't really put it into words, but you just know it's amazingly valuable. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you I just do. just get that like... <gasps> Actually, that's the word. That That's the word that's here. So like, um, this book is incredible at explaining what's going on and then i think it's that's my bugbear with that academic thing it slightly misappropriates value mm -hmm. so i think it slightly moves it's like this is incredible because their skin receptors are going through this thing and they're going through this change and so they're learning to do this thing which is great for writing mm. it like undercuts the value for me mm. it like i want the value i think the value is and so you're a physically competent human and so you have you know, you, you have realised a bit more of your potential. But it's not like you can separate it. That's the thing that frustrates mm. me. Is like this physical type of learning. It doesn't matter if you go and become, you know, if these learners become politicians or plumbers or like teachers or, you know, they go build wells in Africa or something. They still have to have a body. Mm. And why would you devalue the body learning to be like? oh yeah, that's important for when you're a kid so you can learn to read. Rather than like, that's important because you live in a fucking body. And like... And how do you backtrack from an education, you know, viewpoint that we're at now to like, because it, it feels like backtracking. And why yeah. is that wrong? Why do I use that word? Why did that word spring to mind where it's like, oh, it might have been in the old days. Is it an industrial revolution thing? No, because do you know what? I was thinking for some reason I had a real strong flashback this week of my about my primary school hall, and I don't know why. But I suddenly was transported to like the smell of the hall, what the surface of the floor looked like, and I took myself on a little imaginary high journey. polished floor. <laughs> yep, absolutely yes, to the point where I just polished my shoes and I left marks all over it, and I felt so awful. Oh my god, but yeah, um, 
and then I started going, oh my god, we had all this like I don't know if your school had this, all this fold out apparatus. apparatus. Are we getting out the apparatus today? So this, and I was like, God, when was my school <laughs> built? So it had like a Victorian bit, but this hall I think was probably late 60s early 70s right and all of that shimizzle is built in like it all is on like yeah, yeah. wheels in the ceiling and you've got rope ladders and you've got la um ropes and like the horse comes out and and climb like climbing yeah, things yeah. so whoever built and designed that school had factored in that as like mm. this is important whereas now pe and and also pe was done by the class teacher yeah. as part of your day you... that's a very primary way of doing it primary school way of doing it. not anymore no? so now my kids so a school like i thought about the cost like that i was flipping out all that equipment must have cost thousands of pounds mm. to install all of that and yeah, to yeah. like make it so that it's really robust it's not a enough frivolous to purchase yeah. to use for years. and it's like it's in the design of the school which definitely shows you a value that's being put on those things it's not like Oh, you know, well, that costs too much. Or we'll just like get a couple of like cheap trampolines and do that. Or you know, it's like that was viewed as being important enough to build it into a new school building and to pay for it and to make it last and all the rest of it. And the teacher did that as part of the school day. Whereas now, um, at my kids' school, PE is 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 outsourced. So there is PE specialist who comes in uh, on Thursdays and Fridays and does PE with each of the classes in turn right. on the playground and brings all the equipment. Okay. You know, and the fact that school budgets won't, you know, it would be insane. Can you imagine, like, being in the school now and then the head teacher going, we're spending this massive budget on installing all the apparatus so that it all folds out of the ceiling in the in the school hall. Like, I can't even imagine that being, mm. uh, you know, it would be an absolute shitstorm. Everyone would be like, what the hell were you, what's that for? And that's wrong. Yeah. So I, wonder... I don't think it is an industrial revolution thing. I think it's a fashion thing. Well, I wonder if there's also something there about there's a move towards physical education being um, overtly or discreetly um, uh, when you get companies coming in to do things. They, my experience, at least, as the only experience I can talk from, is um, it's football coach, mm. it's rugby coach. It's whatever coach. It's it's a like a specific sport we pay. We're getting in eight weeks of sport coach. We're getting in eight weeks of mm. um, thingy. Um, and, you know, there's team games, there's team bonding, it's community. But it does kind of instill something that physical learning is maybe competitive or maybe is about maybe physical development is important if you're the best at it or if you're quite good at it. You're a specialist in it. But physical learning is not something to be done you know i'd be really interested to go and see a, a school where yoga is embedded into mm. the school and i'm sure they exist mm. um you know that like non-competitive physical development is yeah. sometimes viewed differently and viewed in a you know mm. um which is just an it's an interesting difference isn't it where i would say physical development at forest school is very non-competitive for the most part you know we do Hey, look, we do chasing games. We do, you know, but we work very hard with our games to not have like winners and losers. We don't have games where it's like you're out when you get caught. We do the, you know, um, these sorts of things. Highly recommend that, by the way. If anyone is playing a lot of games where you get caught out and explosions happen, just stop doing it. <laughs> Emotional explosions, you yes, mean? Yes, I do. Yeah. Well, just do. just that idea of like, I don't know. Cause, uh, 
have you seen that meme doing the rounds of uh instead of expecting children to be resilient or trying to build children's resilience how about you build a world that's less traumatic and i've just seen that Oof. shared quite a few times and it's really resonated and gone hmm yes what you know what why are you going oh they need to learn how to lose do they really do they really if it's like making them upset to the point where they're really like how else will the government control them if they're not used to losing Do you know what I said to someone the other day? I was talking about it and I went, I don't have a retirement plan. My plan is based entirely on every teenager I know is a raving socialist. In Gen Z, as far as I can tell, proper socialist. So my hope is that by the time I'm retiring, Gen Z will be in government and there'll, be, and there'll be some sort of snowflake. socialist... The snowflake government. No, no, I'm this... No, millennials like me are snowflakes. Oh, OK. So we'll, be there, we'll be there going, I demand avocado toast in my retirement plan mm. i couldn't afford a house because i buy avocado toast but then okay so are gen z the woke people yeah gen, they will gen be z like, is younger than me are too bad for the environment you oh, can't fine. have those no, avocados, Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> be lentils be my lentil gruel oh, socialist yeah. lentil gruel Lovely. <laughs> uh, i'm not in the mood to play end user now i'm i'm too um too... broken your brain yeah well i would oh, recommend the book it's very chunked up into like you don't have to it's not linear mm. so you don't have to go oh and this bit builds on this bit and this bit builds on this bit it's called smart moves why learning is not all in your head by carla hannaford cool. um, and... and there's a book that's just coming out now so um it's called brain body parenting by mona delahook phd and i think it might be a similar okay. vibe um lots of interception stuff um so i wonder if that might be worth a read yeah instead or as well as Sounds like mm. yeah. right let's not leave it so long till the next one next week next week okay what should we talk about don't know biscuits biscuits love it. <laughs> biscuits and squirrels that'll do bye bye, bye.